Well, good morning, Highland Park. My name is Brian. I'm on staff here at Highland Park. And if you just got here, you may not have realized there was a little bit of panic behind the scenes this morning. But uh, if you saw the construction trucks out there, there was a water line break and there's been crews here. There was actually a fire alarm in the building because of low water pressure early. So there have been people working really hard behind the scenes and thank you. And most of them can't hear me because they're filling up something with water <laughs> right now to make everything function and work. And so I appreciate everyone's help. Make sure and say thank you to volunteers that you see out in the lobby or walking around with tubs of water and things to be prepared for whatever came our way. The water was kind of clicking off and on for a little while. So anyway, we, uh, I also appreciate a couple of our guys took care of the construction crew out there and just showed some kindness to them and got some hand warmers for them. Uh, I would not have wanted to be working all night long like they have been. And so uh, I appreciate that. Uh, hey, in your bulletin, I just wanted to just take a moment to tell you something that's coming in about a month, uh, but I put a little blip in the, uh, in the bulletin. On January 13th, we're going to start, uh, I, think, I believe it's a 12-week series study of the Sermon on the Mount. It's the greatest sermon ever preached. And it's Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and for 2,000 years, people have been trying to wrap their minds around these words of Jesus that guide us to a life that is completely upside down from anything we ever thought. Uh, and it just seems to be the opposite of our instincts and the cultural norms. And so we're going to spend 12 weeks really just walking through that sermon at a fairly slow pace because it's so packed with stuff. And I just wanted to tell you how you can be thinking about how you can most be uh, changed and let God's word seep in deep to you. And first of all, that's to be here. We'll be preaching through um, a bit by bit through the entire sermon um, for 12 weeks. Uh, also, uh, I hope that you can be part of a small group that discusses and really unpacks what you're learning. Um, and that, that is really, really important. Also, we're going to be giving you some challenges, some spiritual disciplines that you can practice in your own life to really engage with the scripture. So uh, I would just encourage you right now to be thinking about, I'm going to try some things that maybe I have not tried in a while. Uh, maybe memorizing a chunk of scripture or um, uh, studying maybe a little different way. And then lastly, this is one that I really wanted to be on your radar. Uh, John Stott is one of the foremost scholars when it comes to the Sermon on the Mount, when it comes to the Bible, really. And uh, he wrote a 12-week devotional um, that we would encourage you to pick up. And it has daily devotions for you. Um, that that way you can be reading and studying along, doing your, your own devotions at home. It's got lots of questions and, and lots of comments to help you understand the text and to apply it and to be thinking about it. And so I just wanted to maybe have you put that on your Christmas list. Somebody could get you that for Christmas. That would be a great thing. And then you can be studying, reading, and then also talking with others about it to help you apply what you're learning. And so uh, we just think all of those things together um, can make a big difference. And I know some of you have even been studying through the Sermon on the Mount right now in a Bible class setting, and that's been great. And so we're just really looking forward to that. I want you to give the heads up, put that on your Christmas list if you're looking for a, a, a great resource in studying the Scripture. And that'll just give us a track that we can kind of all run on uh, together. Well, it's, it's week two of a series that we are calling Skinny Santa uh, because we're talking about whom you might call Santa's hero. Um, some people might call him Santa, but St. Nicholas. And St. Nick was actually a skinny preacher, and he did some incredible things in his life. We're going to see another one of those things here in just a few moments. Um, but just as a reminder, uh, we're leaving the rest of the Santa story in the hands of parents to do with whatever you would like to do with that. Um, 
But last week we talked about how St. Nick had found out about a family, a father and three daughters who were in extreme poverty, and their only option was considering worst-case scenario options for their girls to make money. And when St. Nick heard about that, uh, he had money after his parents died. They left him an inheritance, and he took bags of coins and tossed them in the window. And one of them, the legend is, landed in one of the stockings, and thus we have that tradition. And so... We talked then about how um, the greatest part of Christmas is not thinking about what can I get, but instead, what can I give? And so we want you to be thinking about what can I give this Christmas season? And as a practical way to apply that, we've encouraged families and individuals and people in the church to just be thinking, what can I give this Christmas above and beyond Uh, just even my normal December giving? And how can I do that? And uh, we've talked about the 50 million Pashtun people, um, and 99.9% of them do not know Jesus. And we'll be talking a little bit more this morning about the missions effort that we're partnering with to reach the Pashtun people. And we're challenging you as, as people and as friends and as families to be talking about this with each other and to be unpacking all of this. And uh, there's a gift that we want to just kind of talk about each week And last week we had the bags of gold, and this week is a little bit different. It's a running shoe. In fact, this shoe has been run on, and it's a pretty big shoe. Um, And the reason we have this shoe is because the title of today's sermon is Sprinting Santa, because there was a time when St. Nick had to run as fast as he could. He wasn't a young pup at the time, but he had to run as fast as he could. And so we want you to watch this video and you'll find out why St. Nick had to sprint. Santa was a pastor in a seaside village called Mira. When he was about 70 years old, a storm came along and forced a convoy of ships to land at Mira's port. Once the sailors came to town, some of the locals dressed up like sailors and caused a riot. Rather than arresting the locals who had caused the riot, three innocent sailors were apprehended instead and falsely accused. Since Santa was a well-respected man, he was called to help calm the riots. When he heard about the three innocent men and knew the local ruler was easily bribed, he set off to defend the men. But along the way, Santa heard the local ruler was about to execute the men. So even though he was about 70 years old, he took off in a dead sprint to come to their defense. As he burst into the courtyard, he found the sailors' hands tied and on their knees about to be executed. Santa took the sword from the executioner and threw it down, untied the prisoners' hands and set them free. Then he set off to find the governor who had falsely accused the innocent sailors. Santa confronted him and the ruler confessed to taking a bribe to arrest the wrong men. But rather than condemning the ruler, Santa prayed, asking God to forgive the ruler instead. Okay, I've been asked, I asked this last week. How many people had ever heard that story? Anybody? All right, we taught you something new. You all learned something today, all right? So when you go home, you can talk about that. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 4. And as you turn there, um, I think that when we watch this video here, the story of St. Nick, um, we can agree we're rooting for him because we root for justice, and if, if we follow God, we root for justice. We want justice to happen, and, and not just in the sense of if you do something wrong, you get you know, 
thrown in prison or you get a ticket or whatever it might be, but justice in that everybody is seen as created in the image of God, and thus they are treated that way. And so people who may be mistreated, we stand up for them because we care about God's justice, that we would see them in God's image just as God sees them. And so in Luke chapter 4, we have Jesus just leaving the time that he spent in the wilderness where he was tempted and where he had been for 40 days, and you would expect to find him maybe really depleted, but instead we find him kind of raring to go, full of energy and ready for ministry, and he goes back to Nazareth. That's his hometown. And he goes back, and he begins to preach there. It says he takes the scroll of Isaiah, so they're Jewish scriptures, our Old Testament, and he unrolls it. And he begins to preach to to his hometown. And so I want to begin in verse 18 of Luke chapter 4. Jesus quoting Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Do you hear the justice in that? That Jesus has come to give the people without hope, hope. The people who have everything stacked against them to say, I am with you and I love you. It's a beautiful passage. It defines Jesus' ministry so well because we just begin reading the pages. What did Jesus do? He went to the blind. He went to the poor. He went to those who were oppressed and nobody else cared for. He went to everybody rich and poor, sick and healthy, because he cared about all people. And it's a promise uh, from Isaiah that Jesus would live out in his life. And when we read more of Isaiah 61, we, we read about uh, the ruins of a great country. And when it's talking about the ruins, it's not just talking about the buildings, but also the people. And Jesus came to pick people up, to renew not just the structures of a city, the buildings, but to, to bring justice that's uh, being spoken to to those families who have struggled to break generational cycles of brokenness and poverty, and suddenly there is hope with Christmas. I believe he's speaking to countries like Zimbabwe who have literally witnessed inflation that was measured in the quadrillions. Imagine the economic poverty that comes from that. Or a country like Afghanistan, Afghanistan that has been war-torn for years and decade after decade after decade. And people like the Pashtuns we're praying for. The Pashtun people largely come from Afghanistan and Pakistan. If anybody read the book Lone Survivor, they made a movie off the book as well um, about American military um, and only one person obviously ends up surviving um, and running from the Taliban. The Taliban come from the Pashtun, but this lone survivor actually ends up staying with other Taliban citizens uh, who protected him and risked their own life to protect him because deep in, in, deeply ingrained in the Pashtun culture is hospitality. So if you show up at my house, I care for you with my life. It's pretty remarkable, the Pashtun people, and they have those things going for them, hospitality but so much darkness and so much violence in their past and comes uh, from within them. There's so many difficult things. Uh, I'm curious, did anybody find the grain of sand out there? I saw a couple people find it. Yeah, I see a few heads nodding. I see a lot of people saying, no, I did not find it. But uh, there was a, a one grain of salt 
in the midst of 1.6 million grains of sand, or roughly. But we did that because there's only one Christian worker for every 1.6 million Pashtun. And we don't like those numbers. But we're thankful for the 30 Christian workers trying to reach the Pashtun. And uh, our church uh, is partnering with some that we'll tell you more about later on today um, to care for and to love and to bring hope to the Pashtun people. We care for them. And we know Jesus would care and does care for them, just like he cares for you and me. One of the stories I heard from a Christian worker uh, trying to reach the Pashtuns, I'm just going to read it for you so you can hear um, one of these stories. It's one that stuck out to me that they had told me years ago, and I asked them just to write it so that I could hear it again. But it goes like this. There are zero love stories in the Pashtun culture. The love stories are all tragic and end in the death of at least the woman and usually the man too. A lot of their poetry in the last 20 years um, centers around the grief and sadness of leaving behind their homelands. A lot of Afghan Pashtuns wound up being refugees in one place they hated most, Pakistan. They dreamed of returning to their village and fighting to defend what was theirs. However, in the last two years, Pakistan has forced out almost all of the Afghan refugees, and many are sad now to return back to the land that is no longer recognizable to them. There are no jobs no promise of safety in the place they once called home. Pashtuns are very poetic and express their deepest emotions through little poems, and all of them express the sadness. Can you imagine going to a bookstore, and, you're, and you go to the romance section, and you start looking, and every single book ends in tragedy? That's the case there, and why is that? Because that's their real-life story. That the real-life stories end in tragedy and heartbreak, and often even death. But we believe God gives hope to them, to us. In fact, when we read the Gospels, we see that God especially gives hope to the hopeless. And can you feel the hope in the room when this kind of message gets proclaimed? Hey, I have come to proclaim good news, good news. We're not finished with this text. Look more in, in Luke chapter 4. Verse 20, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You catch that? What the prophet wrote about, it's happening today through me. I'm the good news. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? And this often happens maybe if you were to return to your hometown and people would say like, whoa, is that so-and-so's son who's doing this great art now or who has become an engineer now or who is a teacher now? Is that so-and-so's kid? Man, they are pretty impressive. They're doing a really good job. And everything's good until Jesus keeps speaking because suddenly Jesus says, the hope isn't just for the people in this room. The hope is for all people. Now, before we read the next part of this, just remember that there's an Old Testament story where Elijah goes to the widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. That's not a Jewish town. And then uh, there's the story of Naaman, who's a Syrian. Again, not a Jew. 
So look what happens when Jesus mentions these stories of God's love to people who were not Jewish. Verse 23, Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we have heard you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you, there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath, in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman, the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious When they heard this, they got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. I think if you were part of Jesus' PR team, if you were his political advisor, you'd be like, Jesus, change the subject. Don't talk about the Gentiles anymore. Don't talk about the Syrian guy. Talk about the Jews. Talk about the people in the room. Just make them happy. Jesus doesn't do that. He says, hey, God cares for people even outside this circle, even people who aren't Jewish like you and me, he says. And as soon as he says that, their prejudice spikes up through the roof. They get so angry, and it says they take him, and they're about ready to throw him off a cliff. And I wish I could see this. I I can't quite ever picture in my own mind how exactly it happened, but they're getting ready to throw him off a cliff, and then he just turns around and walks through them. I don't quite get that how he just walks and they move or maybe there's this look in his eye that's kind of like are you sure you want to do this I don't know what it was maybe it was a look of compassion he gave them I'm not sure maybe nobody wanted to be the first one to actually push him off the cliff but somehow he walks away and he walks right back to safety when all of this is happening and suddenly the world is hearing It's not just in the Old Testament, some isolated instances, but now Jesus is saying, this is the norm. This this gospel is for everyone. And what happened with Elijah and Elisha is not just some exception in the Old Testament, but it's actually God's plan for the earth, that God loves all people. Last week, we mentioned that one-sixth of the world's population lives on less than a dollar a day. You compare that just a couple years ago Um, in the United States, the average was this, that the average American child received $371 in toys alone. So in America, the average child has more money spent on them with toys than in large parts of the world have to spend on food and shelter and transportation and just clothing, just surviving. It's hard for us in our world. We see poverty around us. But there's a different scale of poverty in different places in the world. And, and I've had people say, you know, what, why, why would we support mission efforts overseas? There's so many people that need right here. You are right. It's why we have the food pantry in the 220 Center, because there are people that need. It's why we have the ministries we do. But I would also say, have you seen the poverty globally? Because there's a scale of poverty um, that we see and just mass poverty that takes a whole toll on entire nations. So we are thankful to partner in ministries locally, but we are also thankful to partner in ministries globally because Jesus has compelled us to do both 
of those things. And we look at the people sitting in the synagogue that day, and it gets a little uncomfortable for us when we think about, have I ever been that person that I liked everything being said? I was reading a book, and I liked everything in the book, and then suddenly I was challenged to love people different than me, and I got a little frustrated. Heidi Husted-Armstrong describes the problem this way. She says, she asks, do we want justice or just us? Which one do we really want? And we all love the idea of justice when it is just for us. But what about when it's for everyone? Because Jesus came to give good news to all people. Just that phrase, that word all, is significant. Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Keeping watch over the sheep in a field near Bethlehem, An angel of the Lord appeared and said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for what? All the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. Later, when Simeon saw Jesus in the temple, he knew this was the promised Messiah. And he knew what it meant for all the people. Listen to his words in Luke chapter 2, verse 30 through 32. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. All people, all nations. Jesus came for everyone. And that's what Skinny Santa is about. It's about recognizing there's people in need. And maybe we could go skinny on some stuff. And maybe our calendars are too fat. And our wallets and bank accounts have gotten a little too fat. And the, the time that we're spending on ourselves has gotten a little too fat. And maybe everything we're doing in life has gotten a little too fat. And we believe that Jesus came to bring hope to all people. So the challenge is, can we live a little skinnier so that we can give a little more? And so we've been challenging you during this month to think about how you can Uh, apply this, and there's just three ways that we've been encouraging you. The first is this, to share Skinny. You share the story of Skinny, and and I think these videos are great introductory stories to share, to say, hey, did you ever know this about St. Nick, this story? Um, Had you ever heard this? And, And to be inviting people to come next Sunday, and then to come back on December 23rd when we have uh, our big Christmas program here, we'll have two services at 9.30 and 11. And the stats and our numbers and our eyeballs tell us that that is probably the best Sunday to ever invite an unchurched friend or family member to come with you. It'll be that one, even probably more so than Easter. Um, but it, it'll be a significant time for you to bring someone uh, to experience God's love and to hear about God's love for them. So we want you to share Skinny. If I just want to ask everybody here to even in this moment to make a commitment, I'm going to share this with somebody, somebody I know who needs I'm going to share it with them. I might get a no. Many of you will be surprised and get a yes, but you will have had all these negative thoughts for so long that you're afraid to ask. I just want to encourage you to ask. Listen, I know most of y'all, and you're nice people. I mean, you're bringing tubs of water in case we, the water gets shut off and we need to flush a toilet. You're pretty cool, all right? That's pretty awesome. So here's what I know about you as well. Your friends are not going to be overly annoyed by you if you invite them. In fact, they'll appreciate it. 
I think we get a lot of that fear because we see some over-the-top, annoying one or two people out there who are shouting at people as they walk by on the street corners. But that's not you. You're not shouting and screaming at people, are you? You're loving them. You're serving them. You're caring for them. So you probably need to get over your fear that isn't realistic and invite people to share skinny. And if you don't have somebody in mind right now, uh, my challenge is to pray that God would put somebody in your life whom you can invite, you can share with. And I believe God answers that prayer every time. He does in my life. So I want to encourage you to do that. The second thing after we share skinny is to go skinny. And that means we think about how can we live a little skinnier this December? How can I think maybe I don't need quite this much food or things I'm planning, but also how can I maybe set a little bit of money aside so that I can give a little bit extra and give more. Maybe I can set a lot aside and give a lot more. Maybe I can do without one gift. Maybe we can do something a little bit differently than we've usually done that kind of waste a lot of money. Maybe there's a way that we can, we can just go a little skinny. And you see the uh, stockings that we've got hanging back here, and we still have some hanging over some of the chairs. But the, the idea for that is we want every family to take one home. If you did not get one last week, Take one from one of these chairs. We have a stack of them outside as well. Just take one home. We want one per family. And if you want to decorate it, you can. But then challenge uh, uh, yourself, your family. If you have kids, the kids are talking about this every week downstairs. But say, what can we do to start setting some money aside? Um, Maybe we've had some families who have said, my kids usually buy a lunch um, at school, and they're going to take a lunch and save that money little money goes in the stocking. Uh, maybe you say, you know what, I could probably make coffee instead of buy coffee. little money goes in the stocking. Maybe instead of doing this, we could do this. little money goes in the stocking. And then what's going to happen, this is going to be really fun. On December 23rd, we're going to have a moment uh, in the service where um, if you have kids, we want them to be involved. If, if you want to bring it, you can, but you bring that. And we actually have a moment in the service where you can just go to a bucket and dump the stocking out in there. And that's going to be a special above and beyond our regular offering gift um, that, that will help posh people hear the gospel. We're pretty excited about that. The third challenge in this study is to live skinny. And so that's to take what are the principles we're learning right now. And maybe in December, I did some things to cut back on a few things. And I want that to carry on through January. December is a great time to be planning January and February and beyond. But I've just been thinking about not even just a really small thing, although we start with the small things, but when you start to dream about the big things of what could God do in your life if you lived a little skinnier with your calendar? Could you, could you coach a team? Could you help your, uh, your kid's teacher or your grandkid's teacher at the local school? Could you babysit for free somebody? Um, could, could you think about the 600 and 70,000 children in the U.S. foster system or the 157 million orphans around the world? What if you were living so skinny that those things didn't actually scare you, but they excited you? What could God do with my life? How could I give a little bit more money? How could I give a little bit more of my time? How could I make a difference? What could I do? Maybe you'll be like the family who came to me and said, would you please give me the names of some single parent families Uh, We just want to start making a meal for them once a month. They're living skinny enough to do that. Maybe you want to be like the family that came to me and said, 
hey, can, can you hand this, this card to somebody and don't tell them who gave it to you? Yeah, they were living skinny enough to get there. And I don't want you to feel guilty if you don't have a ton of extra right now, but I just want to be, be praying about you have something to give, something. Think about what you can give this Christmas. There's a group of seven guys who um, are going to start in January caring for some boys at the local elementary school. The school came to us and said, do you have some guys who can show a little attention to some boys who need a little extra attention? And uh, I said, yes. And then I said, well, we probably need to make a plan now. And I asked some guys and we prayed about it. And I didn't actually just say yes. I got some good wisdom. But I, I prayed that seven guys would say yes. And I knew that some of them, there's no way their schedule would let them and with work and all of that. But seven guys said yes. So in January, seven guys are going to start caring for some boys who need a little extra care because the local school asked us. Local public school asked us. Isn't that pretty cool? What can you do if you're living skinny? We started off this message uh, talking about a running shoe and the, the urgency of St. Nick running to save those guys' lives. And as we talk about the idea of Jesus coming to bring good news, I really want you to put your running shoes on and you find needs and you meet them and you see people who need help and you help them and you care for people. I still want you to care for yourself, have moments of quiet and Sabbath so God can pour into you. But think about how you can give. And as a church, I love the idea of this church being the place where not only can the local school come, but people from all over can come and say, hey, we have this problem and this church sprints to help them because we love them and because we've aligned ourselves with people who are ready to love others. This morning, if you need someone to pray with you, to pray for you, if you've never experienced the love and the hope of Jesus, we have folks who would love to talk to you and pray with you. We'll have some folks just up on these front rows You'd be welcome to walk down during this next song and just ask for prayer, uh, ask for help, ask to visit. You can also just mark your Connect card, and we'd be glad to visit with you this week, to call you, to set up a time, to study with you, and talk and pray. So if you would, would you stand and, and let me pray for us? God, we, we thank you that when we were in such need, you came running, sprinting, you came to earth and you lived a perfect life and then you died for us. And all along the way, you loved the least of these and the hopeless and the people who had messed up so many times and now we're just talking about us. And thank you that you care for us. Thank you that you care for every person on this planet. And God, we pray that we can take your goodness and sprint and share it with other people. In Jesus' name, amen.